Oh, there goes my money. What? <laughs> my car baby came out. I hated, <laughs> I hated everything you just did. That was fucking so unsettling. No, thank you. I'm broke. We need to start making this work. <laughs> Hello, everyone. I'm Dalton Burdett. I'm Nick Iricchio. And we are the Movie Nights. Well, some of them. If you're watching this, it's because you want to hear our uncensored, unfiltered thoughts and opinions about the world of movies and entertainment news. So kick back, relax, and thank you for being part of the conversation. We took a little break last week. We did. So yeah. we got a lot of stories to catch up on because of that. We picked arguably the worst, worst week yeah, to take a break on. Yeah, because of all the crazy shit that happened. And also with that, um, we were filming Quiver. Yes. It was my birthday. Yes. It was a lot of things. One more day of shooting left on Quiver. Um, <laughs> August 13th we're going to finish up shooting Quiver and that's going to be fun uh, for now though Nick we got a lot of time to catch up on I say we dive right into the ship I think we just go right in are we starting with news box office how are we oh, going to do it oh you know we're starting with the box office <laughs> why did Come I even, why what, did I even what ask what kind of a fucking question was that dude that's a fair point so opening number one last weekend was Bullet Train opening to $30 million dollars Coming in number two was DC's League of Super Pets. In its second weekend, made $11 million, dropping 52%. So, you know, pretty average, normal drop there. Coming in number three was Nope, making another $8 million, dropping 54% from week two to week three. Pretty good. Uh, coming in fourth was Thor Love and Thunder, making another $7.7 million, dropping 42% in its fifth week. Coming in at number five, Minions The Rise of Gru. Coming in at $7 million, dropping 35% from week five to week six for the first time in 10 weeks. No Top Gun Maverick in the top five. 10 weeks. It's 11th week it came in. It came in sixth, and it also made $7 million, but Minions of the Rise of Gru made 100000 more. That's insane. Yeah. 10 weeks. Yeah. 10 weeks dude good for tom cruise very good for tom cruise He's very good busy. for top gun yes he is and yeah. we're going to talk about him a little bit more yes. but i want to break down these numbers just a little bit bullet yeah. train was made on a budget of about this is oddly specific eighty five million nine hundred thousand dollars which means the budget was eighty five million and then they had to get someone <laughs> and they wanted nine hundred thousand dollars or they negotiated them down to nine hundred thousand from a million <laughs> who do you think it was Michael Shannon, <laughs> probably honestly, Bec yeah, yeah. Which for no spoilers, but it was probably him. No, that was no. You know who it was? Hmm. That was split between the two surprise people. Maybe. No, yeah. that's too much money for those two. Yeah, because Brad Pitt is arguably a bigger star than them, and when he cameoed in Deadpool two, mm -hmm. they paid him a cup of coffee. What about the voice? Well, they show up in the movie as well. Yeah, maybe. You know, but between the three of them, I'd believe it. Yeah, that, yeah. Me I don't know. It still seems like a I lot. I don't want to say anything because the movie just came out. Yeah, yeah. There's three fun little appearances. Yeah, and it's it's a good time. I I really like the movie. I know Nick feels a little bit differently. I thoroughly enjoyed the I, movie. I enjoyed it. I just said it was okay, but I never like have the dissenting opinion in our yeah. friend group. Yeah. I'm, I'm usually hit in the majority, so it was very Well, what's rare, we've alienating. said we've said before on the show it's rare when me, you and Kyler agree. Yeah. It's even more rare when me and Kyler agree and you don't. Like yeah. like you two against me happens, us against him happens. This almost never happens. No. Ever. <laughs> so this might be the first that I could think of. If we we'd have to really think about we'd have it. To sit and, and ponder it. But, but. yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I say that I gave it three out of five stars. Yeah. Like, but the majority of the group, I think, gave it like four, four and a half. Yeah. So like, it's not a big margin. But but I I will contend I love like fifty percent movies on Rotten Tomatoes because mm -hmm. it's literally half. Yeah. Like you'll love it or you don't. Like the most baffling one to me is still The Accountant because that movie is fucking awesome. It's a good movie. It's so good. It's a good movie. But anyway, um, let's look at DC's League of Super Pets, which I still haven't seen, by the way. I know you have. Yeah. What'd you think? Fun? It was cute. Yeah, it was fun. I, I think know. I... I Honestly, I think I like Minions Rise of Gru more. Okay. 
But this was very good. It's very cool. There's some fun, like, gags in it because, obviously, it's, like, DC, DC characters. Stuff, so yeah. they do have some fun with it. Keanu Reeves as Batman is hysterical. Good. Um, But, honestly, the funniest character was this turtle that's in it that gets, like, the super speed. Oh, that's great. That character, every single line had me, like, dying laughing. Really? Yeah, and it the turtle is voiced by... She is a popular TV actress. She was on Orange is the New Black. She's on the Netflix show Russian. Natasha Leone. Oh, nice. Good pull. Yeah. I wasn't going to get it. I figured, yeah. She, but yeah, she's very, the whole voice cast. I'll tell you what, though. Kate McKinnon mm-hmm. shows up. Really? Kate McKinnon gave this role her all, and it was so funny. Like, it was just, you hear all the other voice acting, and then you hear Kate McKinnon, and you're like, oh, she, like, She's doing something. You know, The Rock yeah. shows up, and he's like, uh-huh. <laughs> I'm The Rock. <laughs> yes. Kate McKinnon was like, all right. She yeah. did, like, a fun voice, so it was good. Yeah, nice. Check it out. Stay for the post credit. Yeah, I've heard that. Yeah. Um, It has now made worldwide $83 million. It doesn't have its budget listed, and I'm not going to do math, so we'll just assume that that's um, not good but not horrible either. Mm-hmm. Um, nope. Its worldwide total is now ninety-seven. million million dollars because it hasn't opened in other uh territories yet and that's all domestic and it's made on a budget of 68 so it's made 1.4 times the budget so it's a little bit more to go for profitability but i think it'll get there mm-hmm. no problem especially once the other markets start getting it uh thor love and thunder has now made total 698 so it's right there a little past seven and then kind of start kind of yeah um out. it domestically it's outgrossed ragnarok but not worldwide and I don't think it will worldwide because I think Ragnarok made like eight fifty, oh. or something. Yeah. And the movie in fifth, Minions: The Rise of Gru, has now made seven hundred and fifty-eight million dollars, and has made ready for this nine point five times its budget back. Oh, budget of eighty. And just out of curiosity, let's look at Top Gun, who dropped down to number six. And I don't think that's opened. In like China or anything yet, right? Mm-mm. So it's getting the bill. It's get it's gonna get it right when it opens in China. Yes, a thousand percent. It'll get the bill as it should. And uh, Top Gun Maverick budget of one seventy has now made one point three five billion dollars and has made eight times its budget back. Crazy success that movie has been having. That's impressive because of how big that budget was. Yeah, for like, real. That's wild. Oh, dra- I want to point out Jurassic World Dominion. Worldwide total box office nine hundred and sixty-two million. Really, really close to a bill. I, I, but I think it's, I think it's done. People like their dinos, I guess. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. I have to see. Hold on, let me see what Doctor Strange made. I want to see what has more. Regardless of movie quality. Oh, it had, it surpassed Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange had nine fifty-four. Mm. So there you go. There you go. And well, where, where'd Morbius end up? I can tell you, it's not good. All right, I want you. I'm going to tell you the budget of the movie was 75 million dollars. Okay, tell me how much it made worldwide. Worldwide, 125. No, good guess though. It was 163. Made 2.2 times the budget. It's not good. <laughs> was it two and a half to be profitable? Yeah, about roughly. Yeah, no. But the way how time how many times they pushed and remarketed that movie? There's no way. Oh yeah, no, they're <laughs> in the red on that. Yeah, yeah. But that's the box office for this week, guys. Let us know in the comments below what you thought. But before we move on, let's predict next week. Oh yeah. Oh, um, you know what? I'm just gonna put in the links here. I'm gonna put it in the bottom. Yep, that might well, be easier. I look at what opens next week. The fall, right? The fall opens next week. Uh, that was what Hannah was saying before, yeah. Okay. And E.T. opens in IMAX theaters, which we got our tickets for, motherfucker. I don't know if that'll crack the top five. Probably not. But think about it. Right now, the number five movie is seven million. Mm-hmm. Does E.T. make that? No, because it's only IMAX theaters. Yeah. Yeah, no. Well, it might get like a million, two million, mm-hmm. maybe. Good for Spielberg. <laughs> More money in his pocket. That guy's going somewhere, I think. When do you think he'll do the big one? You know, the one that people are like, wow, 
<laughs> that that's such a good bit for those of you who haven't seen him martin short does a bit where he like as a character interviews spielberg and it's fucking hilarious you gotta watch the whole thing because halfway through the interview he like slinks out of his chair crawls <laughs> over to the craft services table and just starts eating while it's just on spielberg just talking <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, all right, what are your what are your predictions? Uh, my predictions are as follows: Bullet Train number one. I think it's going to drop about fifty percent. It'll get to fifteen million. Number one, um, we'll go DC League of Super Pets number two. I don't know how to spell League DC Super Pets. <laughs> Let's go. Nope, number three. The Fall number four. Thor, Love, and Thunder, number five. Oh, yeah? You think it slings back up? Yeah. Let me make sure nothing else opens because... Uh, bodies, bodies, bodies. Well, that's already out. Oh, is it? Mm-hmm. Oh. Let's see here. If I could just reach my utility belt. And let's see what we got. Yeah, nothing new. I was really hoping it was going to be something like wild. Ali and Ava. Ali and Ava, but I'm, I'm the first I've heard of it. Yeah, Fall. Fall is what it's called. Emily the Criminal is the first I've heard of this as well. So, I mean, maybe it's good, but I don't think it's going to be cracking box office money. All right, so I'm going to go Bullet Train. Okay. DC League of Super Pets. Mm-hmm. Nope. Minions. Fall. Okay. All right. I like it. I like it. I like it. Yeah, I did fall number four. Like, I, I like that we have it in four and five. Yeah. Because I think the trailer is interesting enough to where people will go see it. But I also know there are people who are just so afraid of heights. They're just like, absolutely not. <laughs> N- no. Yeah. Yeah. And there's so people who are afraid of bullet trains. <laughs> That's actually really funny. <laughs> uh, but yes, that's the box office for for real this time. I have to plow through some stories, stories that are very interesting and deserve more time. But Jesus Christ, if I don't get through these stories, we're going to be here for four hours. So here we go. Coming from The Hollywood Reporter, um, recently, well, in, in recent years, I should say, um, SAG has been um, trying to unionize other parts of the industry, especially of relating to actors. Mm-hmm. And of the past few years, something that's been more increasingly common and for good reason is intimacy coordinators. And you may be asking, what is an intimacy coordinator? Well, they're kind of like the choreographer and the onset guide for any intimate or sex scenes in a movie. And you might think that that's really unnecessary, but what we've basically discovered, and of course, is sometimes... When you're hot and bothered, potentially really close to naked on somebody, you can get uncomfortable. And what? Yeah. What this person does is on set, they coordinate with each actor what they're what they're comfortable with, what they're not comfortable with. They get with the director to talk about, you know, what's important to the scene. And they kind of choreograph this sex scene based off of what the plot of the scene is, what the... Um, vibe of the scene is and they kind of go through that with the actor so it's to ensure safety it's to ensure realism and it's to ensure that the sex scene is serving its purpose in the story very very valuable people if you're ever going to do an intimate or sex scene on your film you should have one period mm-hmm. um, but with that being said um, SAG has now opened union eligibility to said intimacy coordinators I'm going to read a bit from the story um, Performers Union SAG-AFTRA is gearing up to offer union membership to intimacy coordinators. The union, the union, which represents actors, broadcast journalists, stunt performers, and dancers, among others, passed a resolution during a virtual national board meeting on Saturday to create a path to SAG-AFTRA membership for intimacy coordinators. A few additional details, including the timeline for when the intimacy coordinators might be able to join the union and what el- eligibility requirements might look like for workers in these roles, were immediately available on monday the role of an intimacy coordinator greatly improves safety and well-being on sets and in productions that require intimate scenes said the sag after president their value is immeasurable and the national board is committed to bringing intimacy coordinators into the sag after family and ensuring they have the kind of benefits and protections other members already enjoy Woo! i talked really fast mm-hmm. 
What do you think of intimacy coordinators getting SAG eligible membership? I mean, I think that's great. I think it's an important role on set if you're going to have a movie or a scene that revolves around that. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially in like the this day and age, this climate where you have all these like sexual harassment, sexual yeah. assault allegations, especially the ones stemming from Hollywood. Mm-hmm. I think it's important that there's a person on there that can facilitate that kind of stuff because if yeah. those scenes aren't overseen or mm-hmm. supervised outside of like the direct, you know, you don't know what's going on. Yeah. So the fact that there's a position dedicated to that and making actors and everyone on set just more comfortable with it, I think is an important role that they should have SAG after eligibility. Yeah. For yeah, sure. No. Yeah. I, I think it's a great thing as well. What do you guys think about intimacy coordinators getting SAG after eligibility? Let us know down in the comments as we move on to our next story. This one's a bit fascinating. <coughs> Bless you. This is an exclusive from The Wrap. So it turns out the rights to Tomb Raider were up for grabs. Mm. And suddenly a bidding war emerged for the rights to Tomb Raider. The most recent one being, of course, I think it was the 2018 film starring Alicia Vikander. It was 2018 that came out? Something like that, yeah. I never saw it. Yeah, me neither. But um, I've heard mixed things about it. I know Walton Goggins is in it. I'm a big Walton Goggins we, guy. We love Walton Goggins here. Um, but that is really fascinating in terms of, you know, oh, like I, I had no idea the rights were even up for grabs. Because clearly the industries are starting to, starting to get better at video game adaptations. They haven't quite nailed it, but they're getting there. Mm-hmm. And um, MGM has won the rights of Tomb Raider. I believe MGM is owned by Amazon as well. And um, with that also, Alicia Vikander, who was in the 2018 one and eventually was going to hopefully do sequels, has stepped away from the project for whatever reason. It's probably just, you know, she's not interested in it anymore. So basically MGM now has rights to relaunch Tomb Raider and fully fresh. And we know with the Amazon backing, I, I hope that's right. I'm pretty sure Amazon owns MGM now. But um but with that backing, I think that this could really potentially be a really great franchise move. What do you think about MGM obtaining the rights to Tomb Raider? Like I said, I, I, I hadn't seen the one with Alicia Vikander. Um I, again I heard mixed things on it and I you know, I personally have been enjoying the video game movie adaptations that I've seen lately. I really enjoy both Sonic movies, which yeah. I claim I, I stand by have no right to be as good as they are. Um, and uh, for what it's worth, I, I did have, I don't think it's, Oh my God, incredible, but I did have a fun time watching uncharted. Mm-hmm. Same. So, you know, it seems that we're in a direction where hopefully they're going to start improving more. Um, speaking of which, I know we don't have it, but uh, they announced they announced a live action Pac Man movie. Yes, so that's us covering that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I should be really funny and leave like a uh, a um, little a timestamp yeah, that says Pac-Man. like Pac Man. <laughs> <laughs> They're doing it, um, but I mean, yeah, let's go for it. Why not? I think I've played some of the games. They're very entertaining, mm-hmm. um, and. It's been successful in the past, right? They had a whole franchise with uh-huh. Angelina Jolie. Yep. I'm sure the concept was to franchise Alicia Vikander's version. Yep. I'm not sure what production issues or whatever arised from that not happening. But, you know, let, let's do it. You know, Amazon, if they are owned by it, they'll pour money into stuff. So, yeah. What do you Let's guys see. think about MGM obtaining the rights to Tomb Raider? Let us know in the comments as we move on to our next story. Again, sorry, plowing through them because you've seen the thumbnail and you've seen the title. We're going to get to all the Batgirl and DC shit here in a minute. Um, so at Comic-Con, it was announced that um, there's going to be two Avengers movies that close out Phase 6, Avengers the Kang Dynasty and Avengers Secret Wars. Well, Avengers Kang Dynasty has found its director in... Daniel Dustin Daniel Creighton, excuse me, who directed Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. This is what The Hollywood Reporter had to say. Dustin Daniel Creighton, who helmed last year's Marvel hit Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, has come aboard to direct Avengers The King Dynasty, The Hollywood Reporter can exclusively reveal. Creighton is already well enconched with the Marvel family, in addition to directing Shang-Chi, which grossed $432 million worldwide. He has an overall deal with Marvel that he has signed in the wake of Shang-Chi's success. As part of that, he is developing with Andrew Guest, a writer-producer on comedies such as Brooklyn Nine-Nine and Community, a live-action series featuring Wonder Man, which we've reported mm-hmm. on the show, and he will executively produce and possibly direct an episode or 
or more of it, he also has a Shang-Chi sequel in the works. It is unclear who is writing Kang Dynasty, uh, or what happens even in the team's or the team's roster, but Feige laid out a timeline that had Kang Dynasty and then Secret Wars six months later. So I think this is a fucking fantastic move. Excellent choice. I love Shang-Chi. Yes. It's arg I flip depending on the day of if, if Spider-Man No Way Home or that is the best thing of Phase 4 so far. Yeah, like catch me <laughs> changing hourly yeah, on it's it. Yeah, such a fantastic movie, and I think he's a very talented filmmaker. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on this, and what do you think he can bring to the Kang Dynasty? Good action. <laughs> I think Shang-Chi has some of the best fight choreography in the Marvel Universe, yeah, so yeah. I'm all aboard to see, and especially when he gets to play with other toys in the sandbox and their abilities and powers and whoever they're using. I'm sure he can come up with a bunch of creative stuff. I am excited of the concept of us getting to see, uh, like teammates use their powers together. Yeah. Which we haven't seen in a long time outside of like end game and stuff. So I always like it when like Thor would supercharge Iron Man or Thor would like hit the shield or whatever be it. Um, I thought Shang-Chi was great. Honestly, the fact that it, it's like you almost want to give it to the edge over Spider-Man yeah. because it was going off nothing. Yeah, true. No one knew the character really, mm-hmm. you know, and there weren't all these nostalgia moments, which, but the, in terms of fan service, I think Spider-Man No Way Home. Yeah, nailed it. Yeah. Nailed it. So it's like, go back and forth. But, and the fact that obviously it came out during COVID and wasn't a well-recognized character and it made less than half a billion at the box office, mm-hmm. but- Kevin Feige saw the quality, Marvel Studios saw the quality, saw how people responded to it, regardless of the numbers, mm-hmm. and so I think it's a great choice. Yeah, no, amazing choice. What do you guys think about the director of Shang-Chi directing the Avengers the Kang Dynasty? Let us know as we move on to our next story. Now, oh, this let me let me let me let me give you something real quick here to ponder. Real quick to ponder. John Watts' Secret Wars. I don't hate it, but I don't think so. Mm. Because he stepped away from Fantastic Four and it's like I mean, maybe to give him Secret Wars, but I don't know. I feel like he's really focused on his Star Wars show. That's true, yeah. I forgot about Which just started Wars shooting, show. yeah. Yeah. It started shooting already? Mm-hmm. Holy crap. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now, this next story, we're not going to go into it fully, just like I said, for time purposes, but it is a very important story, and I'm going to encourage everyone to read the article. A Vulture article came out about um, Marvel VFX artists. And how it's basically going through old Marvel VFX artists and just them saying, yo, we have been fucked by Marvel in terms of like the amount of work they want, little turnaround time, very rude, very unprofessional. And they don't name names of the people because like there's tons of fucking. It's everyone. It's so many people going through up and down the whole thing. Yeah. Coordinators. But it's really interesting look behind the scenes, especially like through the COVID pandemic of them being afraid they're not going to have that much work and then getting too much overworked when the things aren't being done on time and movies being pushed because VFX aren't done and that whole thing. And, you know, someone said a long time ago that I fully agree with movies are never finished. They're just released. And that's very, very true. And this article really sheds light on the most biggest powerhouse in the world right now being Marvel, even them kind of treating vfx artists like shit so i would i encourage everyone to google vulture marvel vfx and read the article it's very very fascinating moving on um you like tom cruise i do like tom cruise you like christopher mcquarrie i do well um after you know mission impossible seven and eight come out dead reckoning part one and two i should say um i hope it's called dead reckoning part one and eight is just not it's just called something else that would be incredible. That'd be great. But um, they really like working together, and they're going to collaborate on three projects together in the future, which all fascinate me for different reasons. But I'll get into the particular one I'm excited about. One, a new action film franchise that will shoot in space with Doug Lyman directing. Nutty. Um, an original song and dance style musical, which is fantastic. But this is the one... A Tim Cruise musical. Let's this go. is the one. Apparently, they are going to make a Les Grossman project. Les Grossman is the character that Tom Cruise played in Tropic Thunder. And the article that it's from in Deadline doesn't say if it's going to be a Les Grossman movie or if there's just going to be a movie that Les Grossman is in. Mm-hmm. But either way... More Les Grossman. Holy better. shit. That is fucking amazing. That's awesome. What do you think about this? And do you like seeing them work together? They have not disappointed me yet. Yes. Yeah. 
And that is where I will leave that. Also, Tom Cruise in a musical. Absolutely. A thousand percent. I would love to see it. I hope that that's the Les Grossman one. <laughs> yes. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. So we're going to move on to our last story before we get to the DC stuff. Um, we are at the halfway point of the show. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, so um, Netflix recently got into a little arbitration debacle with um, the WGA because of how writers are paid. So writers on movies and TV are paid very differently in terms of residuals and things like that. Um, a lot of it has to do with um, back on cable days, like writers would be paid. You could get residuals for every time your episode played. You could get, um, you know, you got obviously upfront pay, but a big thing was like residuals every time the episode aired or something like that. Something that Netflix was kind of doing that was kind of shitty is that they weren't paying their writers residual payments because everything drops at once. Mm -hmm. And But they also wouldn't up their pay on the other end. And it was this weird thing of like we're in the golden age of TV where we're allowed to write things with big budgets in mind and doing all of this stuff and you're still fucking the writers. Like that doesn't make any – that doesn't make any sense. Like, you know, and it basically it was not incentivizing people to go write for streaming, but streaming was the only thing that was really hiring jobs. So they were kind of stuck in this loop of not being paid as much but having to take the work. Well, in this arbitration battle – um, Netflix is going to have to pay the WGA $42 million. This is what Deadline had to say. The WGA said today that it has prevailed in a huge self-dealing arbitration against Netflix that it says will result in hundreds of writers on more than 100 Netflix theatrical films receiving an additional $42 million in unpaid residuals. The WGA West and WGA East say they are now pursuing about $13.5 million in interest that Netflix reportedly owes writers for late payments on said residuals. And I highly encourage everyone to go read the Deadline article. It is huge, like, it's very important, very interesting kind of deals with everything because movies as well, like movies playing on... Like, whenever they pop up on TV or whatever, the writers mm -hmm. will get residuals. Not the case. So, yeah. Um, really fascinating. Really interesting stuff. What do you think about um, Netflix having to pay over $42 million to the WGA? I mean, good for the writers. I'm glad that things are becoming standardized because streaming kind of just disrupted a lot of things. Yeah. So, I'm glad to see that things are getting on, on track with that, especially because you wouldn't have the show without a writer. A thousand percent. A thousand percent. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, I'm literally just going to timestamp this DC because, like, this is going to be the rest of the show. There's so much shit to cover yeah. here. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna do a DC and slash HBO Max because my it's god, all of it. yeah. So, uh, by the way, there's going to be no structure. Our brains are going to be jumping everywhere. We're all also at like once. two weeks behind on this news, yep. so you probably it's a whole fucking thing. Let's start off with some positivity. Ben Affleck's coming back for Aquaman, baby! Yes. So I, More Ben Affleck Batman! I would like the audience to know, our viewers here, that uh, we have a running Google Drive sheet where we post the links <laughs> to these stories and stuff. <laughs> and I opened it today to review what we were talking about. And there's no link to an article for this. Just in all caps on it, it just says Ben Affleck. I think the source was the rap. I don't remember, though. <laughs> the, the source was our hearts. But it, but it's official. No, no, no. It was Jason Momoa. He's posted on Instagram. Yeah, straight yes. from the source. Yes. That's, ah. a, that's a water joke there. That was good. I like that. I like that. Yeah. But yeah, so first of all, that that's amazing. But, um, oh, I, I can tie it. I can tie it. The reason that Ben Affleck is going to be an Aquaman is because originally Batman's cameo in Aquaman was Michael Keaton. But you can't have Michael Keaton do it because Michael Keaton doesn't show up until The Flash because Aquaman was supposed to come out after The Flash. And Michael Keaton allegedly becomes the new DCEU Batman. So they were like, shit, we don't want to push Aquaman again, but we have this scene that won't make continual sense. So Ben Affleck is Something coming Something DC back. has always been concerned about. Right, yeah. So Ben Affleck, our boy came back and is going to replace Michael Keaton in that sequence so that it makes more sense. Although, apparently, the same Batmans are after the same fucking thing, whatever it is. <laughs> but, and then in the next movie, it's just Michael Keaton. Yeah. Talk to him in that yeah. scene. <laughs> yeah. And how this all ties in is there was another movie that was kind of going to have to be pushed again because it also had Michael Keaton's Batman. And it was an HBO Max original film called Batgirl. Starring Leslie Grace's Batgirl, directed by the duos of the pilot of Miss Marvel and Bad Boys for Life. Yes. And, well, something happened 
perhaps you guys heard about it um, over the last week. David Zaslav and Warner Brothers. And the Axe. And his Axe, indeed, have completely shelved Batgirl, a $90 million movie that's already been shot and done most deep, deep in post production. Deep in post production. Like was we're, we're was in the 90% almost done. And it's not just going to be going straight to streaming because for a while there was talk about beefing it up to go theatrical. Yeah. Nothing. And here's the thing for those of you thinking, oh, well, maybe they'll release it one day. They're doing this as a tax write off. And if you do that, it is illegal to release the thing monetarily. So the only way we're going to see Batgirl is if they put it on YouTube for free, which without ads, without ads, which I, I don't see happening. Now they could pay a tax penalty in the future and release it. That is on the table. But right now, as long as David Zaslav is there, that movie ain't never coming out. And let's, let's talk for a minute, right? Because this, there's a lot going on here. I want to say first and foremost that I I am of two minds, two brains on this. My first brain is that of a creative, is that of somebody who likes making movies, who loves working on movies, and who loves movies with all of their heart and mind and soul. As a creative, this fucking sucks. Working months, years on this film, it had Michael Keaton, as previously mentioned, Leslie Grace, Brendan Fraser as Firefly, J.K. Simmons as Commissioner Gordon. Just, and think of the crew. Like, just everyone who got so excited yeah. to work on this movie and it being shelved. As a, as a creative, it sucks. And I feel for everyone. I feel for every single person working on the movie. That sucks. As a fan as an interested third party in the business proceedings of the film industry. Holy shit, dude. <laughs> Holy shit, is Zaslav not fucking around? What a way to just pull it out and all over, like, the fucking table, dude. No, because, like, what this is, this is a direct rejection of the previous regime, of Jason Kalarv and Sarnoff, all the people who ran Warner Brothers, because yeah. their whole thing last year was... We're going to put everything on streaming. HBO Max is the number one priority for the company. $100 million movies straight to streaming. Yes. And they said, we're going to make a ton of smaller little movies. We're going to put HBO Max originals, pump that shit out. Boom, 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 boom. HBO Max, HBO Max, it's the future, it's the future, it's the future. And I will say HBO Max is a very good service. (laughs) David Zaslav thinks a little differently. And he sees DC as a big brand. He sees DC as it being theatrical for its films. And he wants to make money, and he looked at Batgirl, and they could have put more money into it, gave it some reshoots, made it a theatrical release, but he didn't believe in what he saw, Mm -hmm. and he canceled it. Take some balls, dude. And like I said, as a creative, that sucks. But as someone who's wanted to see somebody take DC seriously and not just fucking, dude, the whole, like, there's been three regime changes since 2013 at Warner Brothers, and two of the previous regimes did not give a fuck about these characters and about what they can do. Finally, someone is like, no, if it's shit, I'm not putting it out. Yeah. And like, yes, there's a lot of trouble with The Flash, but from all accounts, from a business perspective, what we've heard is that that movie fucking rules, Mm -hmm. at least from the early screenings. And they're definitely done with Ezra. He's, they are not going to be The Flash after that movie at all. And you can't reshoot it because he's in, they are in every frame, basically. They're playing two roles. Yes, two roles. And, you know, it's just insanity. And I think um, Warner Brothers is also very excited for Black Adam, very excited about Shazam 2, Aquaman 2. Um, they've greenlit a Joker sequel that Lady Gaga is officially confirmed in. And we as a part of that, yeah. And as a part of this DC thing um, that dropped just now, Zazie Beetz is in talks to return for Joker 2, which I loved her character. She in was very good. The first film. Great actress, just overall. Great actress. And, you know, this whole thing, what it really boils down to, because we're going to spend a lot of time talking about this. Another thing happened. Alan Horn has joined Warner Brothers in an advisory role. And you know, because he quoted it, Zaslav, in a earnings call, quoted saying Alan is going to be over helping oversee DC. For those of you who don't know who Alan Horn is, he used to be in charge of all live-action film divisions at Disney through phases one through three of the MCU before retiring over there. 
he like was training Kevin Feige. Like a lot of people thought when Alan Horn was going to leave that Kevin Feige was going to take his job. Yeah. Like he was in charge of Pixar, Lucasfilm, Marvel, Disney animation, all film. I said live action earlier. That's Pixar. All, all film. Mm -hmm. He was in charge of Kevin Feige and Kathleen Kennedy and all these people answered to him who answered to Bob Iger. Like it was like boom, boom, like that. He is now advising DC. And so, you know, you know, he is helping with this plan. And in the earnings call, David Zaslav also said that they are going to make DC its own film studio, finally, and that they're going to construct a 10-year plan similar to that of Kevin Feige and Marvel. The fact that the DC wasn't a studio already is, is crazy. insane. Yeah, and so as a creative, this fucking sucks. But as someone who's wanted to see this be taken seriously over at Warner Brothers for so long... Maybe I don't agree with the move, but the fact that moves are being made to big, ensure that. Big ones. Like, it, it's not like it was something subtle of like, oh, we're going to delay it and we're going to do some reshoots. It's like, no, we're done. Yeah. Like, this is done. Yeah. And then not only that, HBO Max, tons of HBO Max stuff got canceled. Yeah. Pulled from the service as a way to save money because if it remains on the service, you have to pay residuals to the actors. And if no one's paying, watching it. And they just straight up king physical media. I've been doing it for years. Always do physical media. Anyway, Nick. That's the worst thing to come off of this. <laughs> he was right. <laughs> um, we're going to talk a lot about this, but what are your thoughts on just all that shit I threw at you? I mean, I, I agree with everything you said about the creatives and everything. I think it was also handled poorly that it was reports were coming out that Leslie Grace, the two directors, found out about it when the story dropped. Yeah. Or, like, right before. Yeah, like, yeah. like right before. Like, that's... That's shitty. Mm -hmm. That's shitty. And, you know, it. no one sets out to make a bad movie. Correct. And so, whatever the reports be, if it was bad, or maybe they just are like, this doesn't tie into everything, maybe they were actually now having serious talks about scrapping The Flash, mm -hmm. in which case... Michael Keaton becomes completely redundant. Yeah. Which, what do you do for Batgirl then? Mm -hmm. You know, there's a lot of things at play that I think haven't haven't seen play out yet. Yeah. And I think that it's promising that there's direction going on now with Alan Horn coming out of retirement yeah. even mm -hmm. to come and do this and setting DC up as its own studio. You know, these are, in as far as comic book characters go, some of the most iconic, you know, like in recent years, obviously like Iron Man was never a big comic character until Robert Downey Jr. was, you know, Kevin Feige built Marvel up from on the D list characters. Yeah. You know, they have Superman, they have Batman, Wonder Woman. These are huge characters that have just been like, yeah, I guess we can put out a movie every few years. Mm -hmm. We'll half ass together a universe to, cause we have to Marvel rival. Cause it's us DC versus Marvel. So the fact that, as extreme as the moves are being, the fact that they're happening shows that they are taking it seriously and might be cool. Yeah, and like I kind of want to break down a lot of the the, the decision making behind that one with with HBO Max. Yeah, it's going to merge with Discovery Plus sometime. I think they said next summer. Yeah. So did they say what's being folded into there. what? No, they're gonna they're gonna scrap both. Oh, ground up, put them together, new. and just put them out. Yeah. Mm. Um, which is exciting. Um, not only that, but when they were talking about what are our major franchises, yeah, under DC, Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, yep, three characters that have been, uh, with the exception of maybe Batman, not that much used, especially Superman. Jesus Christ! Yeah, the last Superman movie we had was nine years ago in Man of Steel. Yes. Yeah. What the fuck, dude? And, yeah. like, finally, you know, people, like, putting this together of just, you know, the the message. Because here's what it was. It was a power move. It was, fuck the old regime. Mm -hmm. I'm the captain now. We're going to put out these movies. We believe in this move on these movies, this franchise, and we're only going to put it out if we know it's fucking good. Yeah. I mean, fucking A, can you really argue with that? And it's the actors are really just kind of, and the people who made those movies, the crew, or they're just kind of victims of a regime change. Yeah. Which we see happen all the time. But I want to say... Even outside of the industry, there's I, layoffs that happen because of mergers and, constantly. And since it went theatrical, I fucking hope Blue Beetle makes it through. Yeah. Because it has gone theatrical. And that, uh, apparently, I've like, I've heard, like, it's very good. 
see, here's my whole thing with all of it, though, like Blue Beetle going theatrical and stuff. Mm-hmm. Are they this 10 year plan? Are they going to try to fix the structure of a building that's already built mm-hmm. or are they just going to demo it? And build it from the ground See, up. See, I it, would love to know that also. In which case, does it matter that any of these movies are coming up if we know the end game? Yeah. You know, like, it's hard to get excited for, like, an Aquaman 2 when it's like, okay, but this isn't building toward anything. Can I... Yeah, no, you're right. Like, uh, we're going to find out soon. Yeah, no, I'm sure. Like, like be... maybe, like, within a year or so yeah. of, hey, are you rebooting? Are you just starting over? Or are you going to take what's remnant of the DCU... DCEU actually form a plan and go. Yeah, like one, just cap it off at a certain movie and be like, oh, that was phase one. Yeah. <laughs> we don't talk about that. And yeah. then you don't throw a number in a title. It's not Man of Steel 2. It's Superman, colon, whatever. Yeah. Wonder Woman, colon, whatever. Yeah. A Ben Affleck movie, colon, Dude, whatever. Don't, I would love no, that. No, but like, you know what I mean? Like, it's hard to get me like, oh, Aquaman 3 is coming out. No, Aquaman, yeah. colon, this, and you can just forget about the. And others. here's the thing with Zaslav: as long as it's good and successful, he's a fan. Yeah. Which is why the Matt Reeves Batman universe can continue. Yeah. The Joker universe can continue, and you know, with DC and them embracing Peacemaker season two can, can happen. Can happen. I've heard that the Penguin show is safe and it's going to happen. Yeah. Which is in the Reeves universe, and like, I'm curious as to how these things are going to play out because, you know, we know that DC embraces multiverse, but something that we've heard. Walter Hamada almost quit yeah. over the Batgirl thing, and he's agreed to stay through the Black Adam release, but we don't know if he's going to stay after that. But do we like Hamada? It, it's it's a mixed bag on Hamada. Yeah. Because he wasn't around for any of the 2017 Justice League shit, but he has been accused afterwards of getting people to lie about stuff. Because I know Ray Fisher has... Ray Fisher's got his issues with Walter Hamada. Yes, because yeah, what his accusation was is... He talked to Ray Fisher and said, "Hey, Joss Whedon was a piece of shit, but you know, don't 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 talk shit about Jeff Johns. We want him to kind of you know be helping mm-hmm. here." And Ray Fisher was like, "No, he was like the worst one." So yeah. it's like, so apparently that he happened. Named the one I want to name. Yeah, yeah, but but if you look at Hamada though, movies we've gotten from him, half of Aquaman because he came in about halfway through Aquaman, mm-hmm. um, Shazam, um, Birds of Prey, and um, Joker, the Batman. It's out good movies. Uh, James Gunn, Suicide Squad. The Suicide Squad. He yeah. puts out great movies, you know? And so it's it's hard to really see. And with Zaslav, honestly, whoever, because they're going to hire a Kevin Feige type person. Does that person even exist? I don't know. But they're, they're going to hire. <laughs> no. <laughs> they're, yeah. They're going to hire somebody to do this. And basically, we're going to have to see what that person's strategy is. Is it there's a multiverse and there's room for all of it? Yeah. Or... We're going to let these movies play out, die three years later. We're going to start again because people forget you can do that on a whim because Spider-Man 3 came out in 2007 and the MCU started in 2008. Yeah. So it's like that shit can happen, you know, and people will accept it. Um, I'm just so I'm so curious about it because I, I like the multiverse. Like I want I want there to be like I would love DC to come out and say, hey, Matt Reeves's Batman takes place on Earth blank. This yeah. takes place on Earth blank. The DCEU is Earth blank. Like, I would love to just know yeah. and tell me. Kind of like how we know the MCU is 616. Mm-hmm. Like, I would love to just get that information. I, You know, I think something to be interesting, too, would mm-hmm. be I love it when a director kind of just takes a franchise. Mm-hmm. As in how, like, James Gunn took the Guardians. Mm-hmm. And there's some references. There's tie-ins. But it really exists on its own. Mm-hmm. Like, I love, I loved the Batman. Mm-hmm. I'm very excited for Penguin. Me too. I think there's the Arkham show still happening, allegedly. Um, we're going to get a Batman 2. I believe that was announced, right? Yeah. yeah. So it's like, I like this idea of a pocket that exists. So it's like, why can't we then have another director who's just like, okay, you have Superman. Mm-hmm. Go nuts. And you could build all these structures individually, and maybe you can say they exist in the same world. Why not? Or make a different one. But I like the concept of, like, all right, Batman exists, and there's a Batman world. Mm -hmm. Superman exists, and there's a Superman world. And then you build off that with, like, okay, well, Batman's going very well. 
here's a Nightwing movie, mm-hmm. or here is a Supergirl movie. Mm-hmm. Here's a Batgirl movie. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, but like just, I don't know. I'm curious to see what structure they go with of, are they going to just isolate everyone and have like, there's a Wonder Woman world, there's a Superman world, or is it going to be some shared universe? Mm-hmm. I definitely think there's going to be a shared universe aspect. You wouldn't get Alan Horn and you wouldn't create a 10-year plan otherwise. Well, because also you need to match tone, which is the big thing. Like, Matt Reeves' tone. Like, then if you want to have a Superman series in that universe, you have to Mm -hmm. match the tone that was already established. Otherwise, it's all over. Honestly, this won't happen. Mm -hmm. Okay? My brain is like, all right, it's going to take us a long time to figure out our 10-year plan and it's going to take some time. We need something to come out in the meantime. We don't want dead space. Hey, Mr. Snyder, do you want to come just finish your shit? And while you're doing that, we're going to work on our 10-year plan. So when your shit ends, we can just start the new universe. Well, something you can do is, you know, we have The Flash possibly being released. Mm -hmm. We have an Aquaman 2. We have a Black Adam. And we have Shazam 2. I'll put money on Flash being released. Being released. All right, let's say that's four movies released Mm -hmm. with four of your big characters. Mm -hmm. And Blue Beetle. And Blue Beetle. You throw in Wonder Woman 3. Mm Mm-hmm. You throw in a Superman 2, mm-hmm. and you throw in a Batman movie. Whatever that looks like. Batman Beyond with Michael Keaton, Ben Affleck's Batman. Whoever your Batman is, mm-hmm. a Batman movie. Or don't, whatever be it. But in those three movies, then, you have post credit stings that tease to a larger story. And then you can do a Justice League movie. And then within the last five, six years, all of your major heroes would have had a solo movie. Justice League movie, maybe it's building to Snyder. I don't know. And then you can have a reset at the end of that or a reboot or however the writers choose to do anything. Yeah. Maybe they all go their separate ways. Someone dies, someone's reborn. If you want to have a a swap in, you know, maybe recast the Flash for a movie and then you can reset again. In the multiverse of possibilities, I could just swap people out. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a good point, but I'm gonna I want to go back to something you said earlier about like oh let's take a director and let it go. Yeah. Well, that's what kind of caused the whole shit. <laughs> yeah, but look at Matt Reeves now. True. No, no, no. I, yeah. it's, it's it's a good idea, but I'm thinking with the structure that they want, I don't know if that's gonna happen. Now, if they say, hey, here's our plan, here's your guys' IP, and those mm. directors stick to the IP as long as they also stick to the plan. I love that idea. Like John Watts, three Spider-Man movies. Yeah. John Favreau, two Iron... Like, that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. Each, per- each director's responsible for a character. Yeah, but They're like you the get stories are building. Solo. Like, Patty yeah. Jenkins with Wonder Woman. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <sighs> I'm just exhausted thinking about all the DC stuff, man. There's so much to... Like, we haven't even scratched the surface on the possibilities of anything. Yeah. Yeah, so, and and just the canceling of Batgirl, like, every person at Warner Brothers is thinking, like, what's next? Nothing's Because they they also canceled the Scooby-Doo sequel, Scoob sequel. Yeah, the prequel. Prequel, excuse me, excuse me. Now watch yourself. (laughs) But, uh, but like, Holiday Haunt. Listen, please, David Zaslav, sir, please do not cancel. Please make a weasel show. (laughs) Yes. You want a box office success? Weasel movie. Please don't cancel Evil Dead Rise. Please put it in theaters. Put Evil Dead Rise in theaters. You'll make so much money. Whatever you need to make it profitable, I'll go see it that equivalent. I I will quit my job to make it happen. Yeah. A thousand percent. Sponsor us for Evil Dead Rise. (laughs) But see, now that's an interesting point you bring up of Evil Dead, because we really looked at a lot of this stuff just in the scope of DC, because that mm-hmm. was one of the main things that got axed. But to be a creative over at Warner Brothers, like you said, the Scoob Holiday Haunt canceled, mm-hmm. you know, and then, like you said, Evil Dead Rise, you know, what are they focusing on? Yeah. You know, does the 10 million budgeted horror movie make it through streaming or are they going to push it to the actual or are they just going to get rid of it they're like oh 10 million we've axed larger because mm-hmm. they said a high number with Batgirl too they well, were like oh 100 million is not going to yeah. cut it well the good news is they only have until mid-August to write out their tax breaks uh, from yeah. the merger because that's the loophole mm-hmm. so if we make it to September and we don't hear anything about Evil Dead we, we've made it <laughs> yeah 
So, I mean, there's but, a lot. But also, you bring, you bring up a good point about the creatives. Because last year, all the creatives got pissed off when everything went straight to streaming. Especially Christopher Nolan, who fucked off to Universal. And now this year... What a move. Yeah. And now this year, everyone is like, well, fuck it. If that's the new normal, let's do it. And then now they're undoing that normal. So now more creatives are like, well, why would I work at Warner Brothers if they're just going to put my movie on streaming? Why would I work at Warner Brothers if they're just going to cancel my fucking movie? Yeah. But I, I think that this is just the beginning. And I think that as it plays out in the long run, this strategy will become talent friendly. I think just there's a there's a whole lot of shit to clean out from the previous regime. I, I think the biggest thing is going to be gaining that trust. Mm-hmm. Because you want to build a universe. You know, you want to build a 10-year plan for DC. You want to make movies, not even just DC, but just the Warner Brothers IP that they have. Like, clearly they have Evil Dead. Yeah. But to attract new talent, to attract new creative, like, the Evil Dead Rise, it's directed by, like, an indie director who hasn't had any theatrical. Mm -hmm. So it's like, are you going to want to, or is new talent going to want to take that risk of, like, well, I'm going to pour my heart and soul. This is my big break. Mm -hmm. And then it gets canceled, and they're like, well no one saw that so no one could base anything yeah you know it's gonna be hard to attract talent i think i think so too so you know if they can find one or two people that can really show a precedent and the faith of especially stuff under the new regime like evil dead rise was the old regime Mm -hmm. that was already filmed yeah so it's not like they can use that as a, a thing but as they start making movies under zaslav and seeing those released be like look 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 we have a direction and, like, we gave this person freedom. Like, you could see that it's very mm-hmm. much their movie. Yeah. You know, I think that'll be the hurdle, but it's finding that initial person. Yeah. Who will take that leap. And I love how our conversations change of, man, why is Evil Dead going to straight to streaming? You should put it in theaters now. It's like, just please just release it. Just <laughs> I don't care how it. it's released. <laughs> yeah. We want it. Yeah. For Evil Dead fans here, what can yeah. we say? Yeah. But uh, but yeah, it's it's a whole thing, and I'm sure we're gonna be talking about this for years to come and the ramifications of this. Oh, I'm sure more and more is gonna come out. Yep, yep. But ultimately, what do you guys think about David Zaslav making big changes with Warner Brothers and the cancellation of Batgirl and other DC crazy news things? Let us know in the comments as we close out today's show. Um, something that I want to bring up also is that if you watch us, you and you, but you don't really have time to actually watch the video, you can listen to us on audio on Acast, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, any basically your podcasting app of choice. And if you're listening to us, you can watch us on YouTube, and you should subscribe and do all that good stuff. And also, um, we want to start taking some topics and ideas from our viewers who we really appreciate. So, if you want us to talk about something on the show, I'm not guaranteeing that it'll be used. Mm-hmm. But if you want to talk about something on the show, this is really embarrassing. I'm going to say what our email is because when we made this channel in 24, 24- can, can we just make a new one? Like I'm, I'm how- working, I'm working on like changing it. Okay. I'm working on it. Okay. Cause originally we were dumb as fuck in like early 2015. We're like what should be the YouTube channel be called? And we were like, it should be called film schooled. Like you've been schooled with a D and everything. With a D no E. And so our email is filmschooled at gmail.com. So if you want to send us something to talk about on next week's show, no guarantee we'll use it, but hit up that email and I'll take a look. Filmschooled, S-C-H-O-O-L-D. At gmail.com. Yep, that's the one. So uh, thank you guys so much for watching and we will see you next week.